Hello and welcome to the Facts Over Fandom Show. I am your host, Brandon Podgorski, and can you feel it? You can feel it in the air. It's getting close. Training camps are starting. Players are starting to report to campus. Football is right around the corner. You can see it on social media. People are starting to light up. We are getting oh so very close to the start of the season. I know you love football. I love football. We are getting so close. Very excited for this year of college in NFL football. And the great thing is, for me, I don't really have a dog in the fight. You know, my the college that I went to, I'm an a Indiana University graduate. Our, our football program might be one of the worst football programs in Division One, And I'm talking historically, one of the worst. So, you know, if they win, hey, that's great. If they lose, you know, we're still going to tailgate. We're going to have a great time. Doesn't really matter. The pros, you know, NFL, I... I, I like the Colts. Uh, I'm an Indiana guy. I grew up in Indianapolis. I like the Colts, but I don't live and I don't die with them. Uh, one of the things you're going to hear in this podcast, if my voice is a little raspy, if you hear me coughing a little bit, if I don't look all that great, which I mean, frankly, I'm not the, the best looking guy you're ever going to see if you're watching on, on YouTube or Rumble. But if I'm looking a little tired today, it's because I was up watching the Cubs. The Cubs are the only team that I live and die with. But if the Colts win, I'm happy. But what's great about football is that I can sit my butt on the couch all day Saturday, all day Sunday. I got games all day. It's fantastic. And I can't wait for the season to start. And with that, that means it is the start of fantasy football season. We got mock drafts going on. I was on them today and people are already getting excited and, and doing their draft simulations. Uh, we're going to have drafts starting here within the next month with leagues, people getting together, having a great time. It's just a fun, fun, fun part of the year. You know, right now it's about as hot as it's going to get, but the weather's going to turn here soon. It's going to become fall and we're all going to start to enjoy some NFL college and, and high school football. Don't uh, don't want to discount high school football starting up and kids starting to go pack to camp this week, at least here locally where I'm at in Indiana. So excited for football season. And I ran a poll on Twitter this week and I gave you four different options of what you wanted, of what, um, of, of topics for this, sh for this week's show. And you picked fantasy football. So I have done more research on fantasy football this week than I may have ever done in my life. If you've seen my performance in fantasy football over the years, you would certainly know that's the, that's the case. Um, but I'm going to talk a little bit about the business side of fantasy football, um, tell you about the, the just the sheer size of the market, and then I'm going to get into helping you with your draft. Now, again, I am not a fantasy football draft expert, but I do understand some things about data. And if you go back to a show that we did in March, I did a show before March called The Data Bracket, where we broke down the NCAA tournament based on data and historical data, mostly, and then um, looking at the Ken Palm rankings from this year. I did it last year using the method that I did, that I used this year, and did really, really well in all of my bracket challenges. This year, um, it didn't work. It, it really didn't work that well this year. And I, and I know what the problem was. Um, as you look historically, um, also with the Ken Palm ratings, the Ken Palm ratings actually had kind of an outsized influence. Like he was pretty spot on 
with this year's tournament, even with all the upsets. So um, that's an adjustment that I'll have to make going forward. But for the most part, I believe in data. I believe in using analytics and statistics to kind of help you inform your decision. And that's what I'm going to try to do my best here on today's show, talking about fantasy football as we get you ready for the draft. But before we jump into that, if you would, please reach out to us on social media. Let us know that you're listening. Share the show, like, and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at FOF underscore show. You can watch this show on YouTube and Rumble, and I'm going to be sharing my screen and helping you out with your draft a little bit today if you want to watch us there. But at the heart of this show, we're a podcast, and it's certainly more of an audio show than it is a visual show. Um, you can check us out on Spotify is kind of our preferred platform, but Apple, Google, Amazon, all of those are welcome here. So let's get into it. Let's talk about fantasy football. And I've been playing, playing fantasy football probably close to about 20 years now. And fantasy sports has just taken off. I mean, it is like a rocket ship. And if you think back just a few decades ago with fantasy sports, we didn't have access to it, you know, with, with our phones and, and with our, our computers. It wasn't that simple. You actually had to get together as a group, draft your teams. It really kind of started with with fantasy baseball, you know, even 40, uh, maybe almost 50 years ago, where guys would get together. Um, they would have all the baseball uh, statistics and projections. You would have so much money that you could auction and, and bid on players and try to put your team together. And then there was a point person who was in charge of compiling statistics every week, calculating everything and keeping standings manually. I don't know how you could do that now just with the sheer, sheer amount of data and just with the ease of using technology. I'm sure you could put it in um, a little bit easier now, but you know why do that when Yahoo, ESPN, and uh, CBS Sports and all those people will do it for you uh, for free? Um, but I think that's kind of the unique thing with fantasy sports is it's an opportunity to bring us together. It's it's community. It's friendship. The league that I'm in, I've been in probably close to 10 years now with the same guys. Now, every now and then we'll have one leave and, and one come in, um, but you're able to build some camaraderie with those guys. And, and it's just nice to kind of keep those friendships going, a little bit of trash talk going through the year. And you can get into it as much as you want. If you want to make it free, if you want to... Um, have people uh, pay and there's a big <clears throat> there, there's a big prize at the end maybe you're um, splitting the prize money um, or if you finish last and somebody has to do a um, a punishment for finishing last that's always a lot of fun too I always like the ones where you know the guy has to be at, at Waffle House he's got to be there for 24 hours or um, he's got to eat like 50 waffles or whatever it is within that 24 hours. And then he can leave. I think that's, that's pretty funny or, you know, uh, making guys stand outside with the sign that says I suck at fantasy football um, on a street corner for an hour. I, I kind of think that's, that's pretty funny and, and kind of harmless in a good way for uh, certainly guys to kind of um, kind of develop and uh, have some fellowship there. But um 
What we're going to go first is talk about just the size of the fantasy football industry, and then we'll get into helping you a little bit with draft strategy. So first, let's look at the size of the industry. And I'm going to be looking over at my second screen here a little bit. So if you're following us and, and checking us out on YouTube and uh, Rumble, that's all I'm doing here. That's why I'm looking away from the camera. But if we look at the fantasy sports market, and we're going to look worldwide on this. It's valued at over $21 billion, and about $9 billion of that is here in the United States. So, you know, you do not have to pay to play fantasy sports, any of them. And now we're going to focus in on fantasy football because we're getting close to football season. But you certainly can pay to get involved and hopefully win a little bit of money. Now, you can go back to our gambling episode that I had just a couple months ago. And I think, you know, if you're going to pay for fantasy football, it kind of falls into that maybe kind of gambling bucket. But there's options for you to win money, to put money up and win money. And certainly there's options for you to play for free. Just in matter of, of transparency, I play for free. You know, one, I just don't have time to put hours and hours into research, you know, to put put up money and then back that up with research to try to win. And, and two, um, I just don't like playing games of chance. It's just not my thing. I work too hard for my money. So um, I'd rather try to hold on to it as much as I can. But that's just me. You know, you, you can do whatever you want to do. So um, there's an average growth rate in fantasy sports of about almost 13% a year. Now, I don't know how high that's going to continue to go up. There was certainly a bump in COVID when there was really nothing else to do except to stay home and play fantasy sports. So we saw a big bump there. Um, but it's projected to continue to grow every year. And one of those, you know, when I think fantasy sports, I kind of think your free options, again, through Yahoo, ESPN, CBS, whatever it would be. Um, but sites like DraftKings, and FanDuel getting into it where they're betting sites and you actually have to put money up. Um, but not only can you gamble on the sports, not only do they have sports gaming, but they also have fantasy leagues where you can put in, you know, as much or as little as a dollar or even, you know, 10 cents, I think. And you can get into a league and, and then you can win based on your performance with, you know, hundreds of other players. And so once those really took off and we've talked about the Supreme Court in 2018, where they basically said it's up to the states to decide if they want to allow gambling. Those websites really took off with their sports gaming. They also have a fantasy component on those as well. And there's some, um, even on, on like uh, DraftKings, you can also play for free and earn money. Now, DraftKings is not a sponsor. I am not saying that's a good thing to do and go and, and that's how you're going to you're going to make it big and that's how you should, you know, live your life as being a, a professional fantasy sport player. I am not saying that. I'm just saying it is, there are options there for to play for free where you can win a little bit of money. Again, do so at your own risk. And so as we continue to look at the market overview for fantasy sports, um, <clears throat> it's interesting in an article I was reading and one I have pulled up here, you know, I've talked about it's almost a 13% a growth rate and they attribute some of that, you know, one to the players who are getting involved now, now that sports gaming is legal, but also just the availability of data for people all across the world. You know, I saw, I think I saw a stat 
And I, I wish I had it pulled up. I should have probably thought about it before I got it on air here. But you know, well over ninety percent of the uh, of the world has access to high speed internet in one way, shape, or form. So you're talking about billions of people who have the ability to get online and obviously play fantasy sports. And when we talk about kind of a worldwide market, I'll never forget that last October. I was in London for the London Marathon. So I ran the London Marathon last October and it was on a Sunday and where we were staying, we had an Airbnb and my wife and I, we were staying in a flat and right around the corner from us was, was a bar. And now the top, the top two most popular sports in the world are soccer and number two is cricket. And that's another thing that they contribute to the growth of fantasy sports is the growth of fantasy cricket leagues. Now here in the United States, that makes no sense to us. I, I think the population of cricket, I don't know, it's probably, or, or the um, the popularity of cricket, it's probably on par with the, with the popularity of, of potholes here in, in this, uh, in this country, but sports is a worldwide activity, right? And so with that, we're in London. Let me bring it back because I'm, I'm rambling. We're, we're in London and it's October. It's a Sunday. And I see at this bar around the corner from where we're staying, it's got, you know, paint in the windows. Watch all the NFL games here. I kind of look at my wife. I'm like, are you seeing this? This is interesting. Knowing that England soccer reigns supreme. Cricket is extremely pop popular. Rugby is extremely popular. I was not expecting to be in London, England, and seeing a bar where we've got, you know, 30 TVs here. Come watch every NFL game. And what the great thing is, is that at London is five hours ahead of, of us here on the East Coast. So that means when I went to go run the marathon, whatever time it started, seven or eight o'clock, by the time I got done and I got back to our flat and I took a shower and we got to the bar, like the one o'clock games here in the United States were just getting going. So we were able to eat dinner and start to watch um, the, the one o'clock games. And I go into this bar. It, it is packed. I mean, it is packed with Londoners watching NFL games with jerseys from all over the place. Um, my wife and I, we also went to watch the uh, Jaguars and Colts play in uh, London. What was this? 2016, 2017 season. I can't remember whenever that was. And there, again, there were jerseys from, from all over, from all the different teams. Tom Brady seemed to be the most popular one, but I'm, I'm watching these people just really get into NFL football and we're in a booth and in the booth behind us, like there's about six different, six guys and they're arguing over their fantasy team and how this guy dropped the ball and oh, it's going to screw my fantasy team this year. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this is just like being home and listening to people complain about their fantasy teams at home. And that's just when it hit me, just how impactful fantasy sports have become worldwide. Now, um, as we continue to to kind of look at the the business side of fantasy sports, um, I I told you, you know, football in here in the United States rule kind of really rules the roost. Um, but soccer, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, cricket, those seem to be the most popular sports as we talk about fantasy sports. The demographics of your fantasy player 
um, it's divided into those under 25 and those 25 to 40. Um, those 25 to 40 had the are, are the largest population of fantasy players. Um, and again, their growth rate is supposed to continue at 14% per year. Um, and I believe under that, everybody under 25 is the second largest, and then everybody over 40 would be the uh, the third largest. But 25 to 40, kind of the prime demographic that marketers look for, are the biggest um the largest demographic to play fantasy sports. So you can see why like gaming sites are really starting to roll out more fantasy options, not just, Hey, you got to be locked in for the entire year, but also options where, you know, you could do daily fantasy um, at these different sites. And you could see, you know, they certainly want to, you know, partner with other brands that kind of really go after that 25 to 40 year old market. Um, so with that, being said, now you've kind of got an understanding of just the breadth of fantasy sports. Let's jump in, and I'm doing this with without a net. I've prepared a little bit, but we'll see how this goes. Let's jump into your fantasy draft, and how can we help you with your fantasy football draft? And I'm kind of thinking, you know, I've got a team name for my fantasy team that I've used for years and years and years now. Um, if you, the listener, the watcher, if you want to come up with a team name, um, why don't you guys give me a few suggestions? Hit us up on social media, Twitter, Instagram. It's the only place to find us at FOF underscore show. Let me know what our team name should be this year. We'll have an official Facts Over Fandom team name. I mean, we could just use Facts Over Fandom, but we could always be a little bit more creative and have a little bit more fun. Um, give me some suggestions. I'll put it out on a Twitter poll and let you guys vote on it. Okay, so how should we approach your fantasy football draft? In number one, as I'm looking through, you know, a, a bunch of different research here, try to pursue value as much as possible. And, and there's some leagues where you can um, find like um, average value as compared to other players. And what we mean by that is, you know, we kind of can get enamored with draft rankings on where like the experts rank everybody or who we think the best players in the leagues are. Um, we can get enamored with how many points guys have scored in the past year or two. We can get enamored with all that. But if you're just, if your draft strategy is just basically going off projected rankings, projected points, points from last year, without any other consideration, you've got the possibility of setting yourself up for bad failure. And instead we want to look with value with our picks. And so, you know, value-based drafting, it, it kind of, it helps you understand why some team owners might take a QB in the first round because QBs put up a lot of points, but others won't, even though the quarterback position might have the highest might be the highest scoring position others won't because if you think about it you know there's not a huge drop off and go and make sure you do the research yourself but there's not a huge 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 drop off in points from quarterback one to quarterback maybe 15 if you look at running backs or wide receivers 
we start to see a bigger differential in points from running back one to running back 15, from wide receiver one to wide receiver 15, and so on and so forth. And I think especially now, um, you know, you, you got to kind of pay attention to what's going on in the landscape where um, running backs are not getting the money they feel they deserve. And part of that is a lot of teams have gone to a running back by committee. You know, I think the days where you see running backs just get 200, um, 200 carries per year, I have a feeling those are those are done with. And we see teams are more pass happy and we see the quarterback position has certainly evolved. And we want a quarterback who can not only beat you in the air, but also beat you with their legs as well. So, you know, the running back position has started to become devalued a little bit. And there's a big drop off um, from like, you know, one to 15, one to 20, one to 30, whatever it is as compared with quarterbacks. So, you know, in your draft, you want to start setting yourself up for, okay, I probably need to look at the wide receiver and running back positions a little bit earlier than I do quarterback. Because I know if, even if I don't draft a quarterback early, I know there's going to be a few on the board that are going to be able to help me out. Right. Ryan Tannehill might not get me as many points as Patrick Mahomes, but you know, if I wait around on a, if I draft a quarterback first and everybody else starts taking running backs, then all of a sudden now I'm down to the the tenth running back or twelfth running back for a draft pick, and then a few more off the board, and now I got to I'm down to the twentieth running back. And oh yeah, I also have to get wide receivers, so you're already behind the eight ball a little bit. So think about value as you start your draft, right? Okay, and then number two, right? You know, try to come up with your own ranking system as, um, you know, based off the information that that we're giving you here. You know, again, and I already kind of got into this here uh, on step one or, or the first consideration, you know, don't just take somebody else's word for it. You know, a lot of the rankings that I've seen on ESPN, it's just from their their personalities or their writers. And they're really kind of ranking the players that they think are the best players in the NFL, which is fine. But that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the best player for your fantasy team. So do do your research get your data and come up with rankings, um, you know, and don't just rank, okay, here's where the top um, players by average or, or by points last year, you know, one through 30 at a certain position. I've got another way for you to look at that. And I'm going to get into that here in just a second. And so that's really going to get you through the first, the, certainly your first rounds where you draft all your starters and maybe you get a backup, um, a backup of two at, at your wide receiver and, and uh, running back positions. And then from there, as we're getting into the later rounds, which I'm not really going to go through the data on this, but start to look for upside in the later rounds. Because we don't want to go with on a wing and a prayer and, and we don't want to make this a wish. Like, Ooh, I, I hope this guy has a good year, so I'm going to draft him early. You know, if you're looking at players like rookies or, or maybe second-year players or, or guys that are on a uh, last year a, a, of their contract and it's it's a it's a prove-it year, it's a make-it-or-break-it year, um, who maybe they hadn't performed, maybe we don't know how they performed or they haven't performed great in the past, but you think they're, they're in a new situation now with a new scheme or a new coordinator and you think they're going to play better this year um, and they've got some good upside, hold tight. 
just wait. Odds are they're not going to go early. They're probably going to be available late. So have a handful of those kind of in your arsenal. Maybe even some rookies where you're like, you know, that, that guy, he, he may have a chance. And they're not probably not going to pay off for you early. But once we get later into the season, especially as you start to have some injuries on your roster, these are guys who are going to be able to help you, um, maybe help you make a playoff push towards the end. So with that, now that we've got our three things, we're going to look at draft value. You're going to come up with your own ranking system. If you want to use some information from other people, that's fine, but make your own, make it unique to you. And then we're going to look for upside later in the draft. So with that, I'm going to share my screen here with you. And we're going to look at quarterbacks. So now this is where you're going to dig into the data. One of the best things you can do, as I have looked at a lot of research concerning fantasy football this week and in preparation for the show, is look at last year's performance. And I've just went to fantasypros.com here and take a look at their fantasy points per game average. Now, I could really, really, really get into the weeds on this. And I could really kind of break this down in, in, a, in a nerdy way. I'm just going to try to give it to you at a high 30,000 foot level here for you. But look at the fantasy points per game average for each position. Okay? And so we're going to start with quarterback. And what we want to do, and you can see I have it here with fantasy points per game average. And last year, Jalen Hurts was number one. Patrick Mahomes was number two. Jalen Hurts, 25.6 per game. Uh, 25.6 points per game, Patrick Mahomes, 25.2 points per game. And so this is a pretty good average uh, indication of how many points per game can you expect them to um, to get you every, every week. And so you're going to have an idea once you go through all this and, and you look at each position of where you're going to be at every year, depending on your league. And every league is a little bit different, you know, whether you do points per um per reception, um, how many points do you get bonus points if um, a player runs for 100 yards, things like that. But for, uh, for the most part, you're going to get a good idea of how your players are going to perform. So you've got your average. Now, what's really, really, really important and what separates successful fantasy managers from those who struggle is consistency. Consistency is the secret ingredient to having a solid fantasy football team. And now, again, this is coming from a guy who I, I'm not a bad fantasy player. I'll, I'll say that I'm, I'm kind of an average fantasy player. I make the playoffs every year and I'm usually finishing in about top four of my league, but I don't really do any research. Um, I just... You know, I, I join our live draft because I like the guys in it. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in it and I kind of do my best. But as I was preparing for the show and looking and looking at actual statistical analyses where people have plugged these things in um, using coding with Python and plugging these things in Tableau, the thing that I kept coming back to is you've got to get consistency with your players and consistency over the long run is going to help you win your league. So what do I mean by that? Let's bring up Jalen Hurts and let's bring up Patrick Mahomes. And what we don't want to see, I'm going to bring up their game log as well. So we're going to look at Jalen Hurts first. Okay. And I'm looking over here in this column 
at points. And what we don't want to see is these big inconsistencies um, in his play. We want to see that he's consistently at his average of about 26 points per game. And so if you look and again, I, I probably could get a lot more nerdy into this, but let's just say we're going to look for games that were off five points. So that's what we're going to use as our deviation here is games where he performed five points worse than his average. 24, 34, 27, 17. So there's one against Jacksonville, 27, 16.9 against Dallas. There's two, 28, 20 against Houston. There's three. 22, 24, 29, 34, 30, 36, and then 9.5 against the Giants in week 18. I don't know if I'll really count that because they already had their playoff uh, spot locked up. Um, I I don't want to say it's a meaningless game, but it certainly wasn't as meaningful. Um, But we could go ahead and if you want to count that, so that's four. That's four games. Again, as we looked at his average of 25 points per game, um, that's four games where he was five points under his average. All right. So for the most part, you know, consistent. Let's look at Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes, his average is 25.2. Let's see anything five points below that. Okay. He was at 34. All right. Week two, 17.3 versus the Chargers. Week three, 18.1 versus the Colts. There's two. 24, 30, 21, 27. 35, 32, 27. Week 12 against the Rams, 19.4. Week 13 against the Bengals, 19.8. There's four. 22, 32, 23, 25. Uh, Week week 18 against Vegas. Again, late season game. If you want to count it, if you don't want to count it, he only scored 15. So there's five weeks there where his kind of deviation that we use with five points. And again, you've got to come up with your own was under his average. So with that Jalen hurts a little bit more consistent than Patrick Mahomes, right? Let's look at a guy like Josh Allen. All right, Josh Allen, his average 24.3. Again, we'll use five points as kind of the deviation here. Week one, 33. 29, 26, 24, 36, 26. Uh, Week 18, again, his average was 24.3. So we're looking at anything 19.3 and below. Uh, Close in week eight, we'll give it to him, 26, 21. Uh, Week 11, 12.6 versus Cleveland, 30. Uh, Week 13, 16.9 versus New England. 20, 35, 20. Um, week 17, we're not going to count. That was DeMar Hamlin game. So there were only two games there where he performed under that deviation um, of his average as compared to Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. Jalen Hurts had, I think we said four, Patrick Mahomes five, Josh Allen only had two. So as we look consistently, Josh Allen would be a more consistent quarterback, even though he had, he ranked third and fantasy points per game, that is probably, if I'm just looking at the top three, and I'm not going to go through all these, but if I'm just looking at the top three, Josh Allen would probably be the one I would put higher on my draft board with quarterbacks 
over Patrick Mahomes and Jalen Hurts, who ended up having more points um, over the year just because he's a little bit more consistent. So you do that for all your positions there. Keeping in mind, we want to go after running backs, wide receivers early. Um, then we can come back to quarterbacks, maybe even look at a tight end early, and then we can always come back to quarterbacks. Oh, yeah, one last thing. Keep an eye on your draft, on whoever, everybody, who everybody else is drafting. When they zig, you need to zag. If they're going really, really wide receiver heavy, go ahead and snag your top running back. Same thing. If they're going really running back heavy, go ahead and snag that top wide receiver, and then you can always come back. Um, don't panic. Don't get into the the thought that, oh, everybody's got one receiver. I got to go get wide receiver. Um, you're going to be okay because you got the data on your side. Try to go a little bit opposite. That seems to be a good strategy there as well. So there you have it. There you have it. There's your strategy for fantasy football success. Again, hit us up on uh, social media, Instagram, Twitter, at FOF underscore show. Let, let us know some recommendations for a team name. And I really want to know, come back to this show here in the next four weeks before your draft. Did this information help you? This is the information I'm going to use for my team this year, and I will keep you updated as we go along. Stay tuned for the second session as I get into some Uncle Brandon advice. All right, time for some Uncle Brandon advice. Now, I didn't do any Uncle Brandon advice last week. The whole show was just one big piece of Uncle Brandon advice for those who wanted to break into sport. But I've got some Uncle Brandon advice this week, and it's for NFL running backs. And my Uncle Brandon advice to you this week is be careful. Be really, really careful with your next steps. I understand that you feel that you're being devalued and you're worth more money, but just be careful how this rolls out. So I want to share with you a tweet from Jim Mersey, who's the owner of the Indianapolis Colts. And he tweeted this on uh, Wednesday, Wednesday night this week. NFL running back situation. We have negotiated a CBA, a collective bargaining agreement that took years of effort and hard work and compromise and good faith by both sides to say now that a specific player category wants another, another negotiation after the fact is inappropriate. Some agents are selling kind of quote unquote bad faith. And I'm sure that's probably a little bit true. I, I think you probably got some agents who are telling their running backs that, hey, this isn't fair, they're depressing the market, they're doing this on purpose, and you guys should be getting paid more than you should be getting paid. And I kind of got into this with the women's national team a few weeks ago in, um, in a past episode. And I am all for players in, in anybody, in, in any industry, getting as much money as you can get. 100% for that. I have no problem for it. You know, certainly in my industry, if I can make more money or I'm, I feel I'm being devalued, you know, I would want to speak up and, and try to um, get as much as I can. However, with that, 
there's a few issues that I, I don't know are, are totally being talked about in this running back situation, because I think inherently we want to side with the running backs. Some of them um, for, for fans, their favorite players. There's always this disconnect between, well, um, you know, the, it's not fair that billionaire owners get all this money and the players don't get all this money. So I think, you know, fans are instinctively on the side of the running back. But a few things that running backs in the NFL need to consider. And one, the game has changed. And this happens all the time in all sports. I mean, you look at the NBA, the center position is nowhere near as valued as it was 30 years ago. You know, you just don't have those guys like Shaq or Olajuwon, David Robinson, who you're going to go down, post up, put the ball inside, they're going to score, and we're coming back down the floor. It's a much more um, athletic kind of fluid position where you got guys playing inside, outside. You have to be able to shoot. You know, the days of kind of just a big stiff center are, are gone right now in the NBA. And, and things are reciprocal. I mean, it very well could come back. But you see, you know, your top draft pick in this year's NBA draft who's, you know, well over seven feet tall. Um, I can't remember how tall Victor Wimbayan is. In fact, you know, let me look that up. And I know I totally uh, crushed his last name, but looking this up, he is seven feet four. Seven feet four, this guy doesn't play inside. Uh, you know, he's much more of kind of a, a perimeter guy. Now, he probably has the ability to play inside a little bit and certainly score inside being that big. Um, but he's going up against much, much bigger body guys in the NBA. I don't think that's going to fit his game to have him post up, even against a guy like Giannis, who's going to be giving up about, you know, five inches to him. I just don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. So, you know, the game has changed in the NFL, where I just got done talking about this in the fantasy football segment. You're not giving the ball to a guy 200 times a year and you're trying to get him, you know, over a thousand yards. You know, it's running back by committee because that position just gets beat up so much throughout the year. And you're trying, and the quarterback position has changed to where quarterbacks are much more mobile. So it's not like you've got the pocket passer. And we have to have that running back to establish the running game. And then we're going to be able to have our pocket passer start to kind of dink and dunk or, or eventually go long and beat guys over the top. Now, if you're a defense, you're game planning for uh, running back or quarterbacks who are much, much more mobile, which is going to devalue that running back spot there a little bit. Now, I don't need a running back who's a workhorse. Now, I need a running back who can block. I need a running back who can patch, who can catch passes, who can get open in space and make things open in space. And so there might be a little bit more um, uh, value for guys who are shifty and speedy, as opposed to workhorses who are big, who are going to get you that three yards in a cloud of dust. It's just how the game has evolved. And there's also with running backs, there's a supply and demand problem, right? So, the demand to play quarterback right, um, is really, 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 really high. There are a lot of guys who would, I'm sorry, running back. There are a lot of guys who would love to play running back in the NFL. But the, the supply of open positions, very low. And so teams can um, 
pay those positions accordingly. Offensive line, defensive line. Again, the supply, the the demand, the supply is is still high, or, or the supply is still low, like running backs. There's not a lot of positions. However, the demand is not as high. And there's just not as many big six, three, 300 pound guys as there are running backs and especially six, three, 300 pound plus guys with the skill to play the offensive line as there are running backs who are, are strong and fast, who are a little bit more diamond dozen coming out of college than there are offensive linemen who can play at the level in the NFL that they would need to play. So, I'm all for running backs getting together, doing what you think you need to do to add more value into that position. I think that the owners putting franchise tags, one-year franchise tags on running back is a way certainly to depress that market. And I I understand it from a business standpoint. Um, However, if you think that you're going to be, that you have the leverage in this situation, you don't. The, the owners are the ones with the leverage. And I am not saying shut up and play. I wouldn't do that. You just need to be strategic about the way that you go about trying to get more for the position. And I really think Jim Ursay hits the nail on the head here where he talks about that CBA. And I think probably a little bit more pragmatic way to go about this is talking with the, the president of the, of the NFLPA talking with your player reps and getting ready for this next round of collective bargaining or going back to the table and having some type of addendum, you know, cause you can't just unilaterally change things with the CBA going back to the owners and, and getting the player reps to rally for you and try to amend that CBA a little bit for the position. I don't think it's going to be a huge, make a huge difference. However, that's probably the way to go about it. If you think you're going to be able to make change by just sitting out, you're you're replaceable. Uh, and unfortunately for you guys, you're replaceable. And so you just need to keep that in mind as we have this running back discussion. So certainly see both sides on this. Just be careful. Be smart. Be strategic. Try to get it changed in the CBA as much as you can to make your money. I think any any threats that you're going to make on teams – Unfortunately, they're going to fall flat. Now, do teams want to lose really good players? You know, does Jim Mersey want to lose Jonathan Taylor? Um, absolutely not. Jonathan Taylor is a fantastic running back. Um, but is it going to be more important for the Colts to invest in their offensive line with a rookie quarterback and get the rookie quarterback up to speed than it is making sure that Jonathan Taylor plays? Because Jonathan Taylor has been injured last year. He's probably not going to make it all 17 games where you got your quarterback if you don't have a good quarterback or, or or quarterback that can run your offense in the NFL, you're not going to win, right? Um, is it more important to make sure that the offensive line and the quarterback is paid and, and those positions are solidified than they are running back? Obviously, yes. So that's my Uncle Brandon advice for NFL running backs. Hopefully you take it and all the best to you. I hope you get as much money as you can get. So that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Facts Over Fandom Show. Again, let us know. If you, if you want to come up with the fantasy football team for my team this year, give me some options. I'll put out a Twitter poll and then um, let us know how the advice went. 
Is it helping you in your league? We're probably not going to know for uh, a few months from now, but uh, I'm really interested to see if you took this advice and how it helped you with the draft, how it helped you with your team. I hope you all have a great week. Next time I see you, it's going to be the start of August, one week closer to kickoff for football. In the meantime, love God, love each other, be a good sport. I'll see you next Friday.